This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike. Today on the show, we've got Matt Miller joining us, and Matt is the president of Park National Bank. We really enjoyed our conversation with Matt. During the show, we talk about quite a few things, but uh, amongst those was uh, talking a lot about how Park National identifies their customers and what makes a good customer for Park National. If what a customer wants is they want to understand where the different ways we can help you, we could provide a list of here are all the different products, right? For me, the better answer is if you and I sit down and we have a conversation about what you're looking to do with your business, with your personal situation, maybe we can kind of handcraft a solution that makes sense for you. That's what's special about Park, I think, compared to the largest banks in the country where you might be viewed as a number, but to have a relationship with a banker who you would call probably not something you're going to find, that's where Park has really done well over the years in developing those relationships and customizing solutions. As well as the importance of being able to get a hold of your bank and how having a local bank as well as a, a bank that is maybe thinks like a local bank, but has the power of a regional bank behind you can help out with your processes. But what we found was what customers want today may be different from what they wanted 10, 20, 30 years ago. And they're more open to a regional bank or a national bank today that has greater ability to help support them wherever they are in life. My personal cell phone number and you call me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We also talked about the growth and the direction of Park National, and I think this is going to make for a great interview. Hope you enjoyed it as well. Let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am your co-host, Mike, and we are here at the industrial space today in Tim's office, and we got Tim and Josh in the booth as well. What's going on, guys? Dude, speaking of industrious, I just put together the most janky dinner of all time. <laughs> I had like half of a bagel, a cheese stick, and a banana. I watched it all happen. It was kind of sad. I was starving, but they do have food here, which has saved my life many times. So I, that is going nice. to plug. We're giving free, right free there. advertising for industrious. If you well, guys want to give us a little, you know, a little, little private office space, Tim uses this for his other job. So, you know, well, you're in here. If industrious is listening, we could use a private <laughs> office space. Uh, but that being said, nobody won Vax Millions, unfortunately, from our group. Oh, is that over? I think it's over. Stop did you, did you only have to apply once, then it covered for all of the times it was uh, drawn? I think you had to get vaccinated yeah. like five times. To, to <laughs> every time every you had time. to get a vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I at least got 20 vaccines because <laughs> I wanted to win. Well, unfortunately, I don't think any of us won unless we're keeping it quiet, which I don't think you can do. No. So, but uh, I feel like I lost twice. I lost the way I felt when I got the shot, and then I lost because I didn't win any money. Did win Vax Millions. But let's go ahead and pivot maybe to introducing our guests for today. So today on the show, we've got Matt Miller joining us, and Matt is the president of Park National Bank, a family of community banking teams provi providing the heart and style of a local community bank with the resources of a big bank. And Matt has worked at Park National since 2009, where he started with the company as vice president. And prior to Park National, Matt spent time with Deloitte as a manager. And we're excited to have Matt on the show today to talk about his story, the history of Park National, their recent rebrand, and a whole lot more. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Matt. Hey, thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you coming out here and uh, I know we had a little mix up on the the spaces in, in the beginning, so appreciate you being flexible with us there. Uh, but uh, how's your day going? Hey, it's been fantastic, right? I spent some time down in Columbus today. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have a location down here, and it was nice to get down and see the where, team. Where are you usually located? Usually in uh, Newark. We moved to Granville in 2009. Alice and my wife and I were having our first son, and we have two boys. We wanted them to grow up in the country. 
we both grew up in a rural area. So Granville has been a fantastic spot. We love it. So it's something like the past year, I think my mindset's changed here. I always thought like, why would I ever want to leave the energy of Columbus? But now there's like a point where I hit a certain thing in the day where I'm like, I wouldn't hate driving in the 30 minutes and just kind of being in land in the middle of nowhere that you could just do whatever you want. You don't have to worry about parking places and you just have like this openness. Well, that's exactly it. So we feel that every night and we can go outside, hang out, throw the ball, play basketball, whatever the boys want to do, and just spend time together as a family. Get away from it a little bit. And Columbus is a half hour away. Uh, we come in here all the time for dinners. We come in here to see friends and, and hang out. I was going to say there is something to be said for that disconnecting. Like I feel like if, if I live downtown, which I kind of live close to downtown, but I'm not in the down, heart of downtown. Like if I lived in the heart of downtown, I'd probably feel like I, I was never disconnected from everything. And getting to leave the city and go somewhere quiet where you can actually like disconnect and feel, you know, if some people, and it goes back to like that, the whole commuting thing, right? Like people don't like to commute, but I feel like a commute helps me get disconnected. Like it's that transitionary period between work and home that kind of helps you separate the two. So were you born and raised in Columbus? No. So I grew up on the West side of Ohio, a small community called New Madison. I went to a small school with about 70 kids. So lived in the country growing up. And when I went to college, I went to Akron. Uh, Go Zips. Yep, graduated from Akron and uh, started my career with Deloitte up in Cleveland. Uh, and then in 2005, moved to Columbus. So how long were you with Deloitte then? I mean, good amount of years. Yeah, so eight years with Deloitte, um, probably three years up in the Cleveland market, uh, mostly working on banks, financial institutions. And then uh, Deloitte won the Huntington engagement. And so I spent most of my time here in Columbus working on the Huntington engagement, which was, it was a great experience. Uh, Deloitte, I never thought I would leave. And then my wife got pregnant with our first son and we thought, hey, maybe a change of pace is uh, what I was looking for personally. And uh, Park had an opening. Uh, I met with the uh, management team at Park. And when I met with Dan DeLauder, David Troutman, uh, who are our past two CEOs, David's the CEO today, uh, Dan was his predecessor, I felt like it was going to be home. I'll never forget in the interview, Dan said, hey, do you enjoy doing this? I said, what do you mean? He said, interviewing. Not really. I haven't even updated my resume since college. And uh, he said, well, take this job and you'll never have to do it again. I don't ever intend to. So going back a little bit to the time at Deloitte, I mean, uh, I don't know if everybody is super familiar with the way banks work, but I, I think the general populace, if I had to make an assumption, is just a little bit like banks hold my money and sometimes I can get money from banks, but I don't really know what a bank does. And it's just kind of a weird thing to wrap your head around to think of like a bank takes money and then makes money by giving money. And then all of a sudden your head explodes because you said money seven times and you're trying to figure out what they do. So when you're focused on working with banks through Deloitte, can you talk a little bit about the type of engagements that you're working on and, and what type of uh, projects you were diving into? Yeah. So typically it was audit work. So as an accountant, I did a lot of audit work. Uh, we got involved in some of the uh, M&A projects, so merger projects that banks were working on. Um, I had some opportunities to work on those. And what I found was I really enjoyed the financial institution aspect of how do we help people? Whether you have a business and you need money or you're a business owner and you have money, there's a way that a bank can help you. And what I found at Park is that's their approach. Uh, no matter where you happen to be in your life, we can help if you want a relationship with your banker, right? And some people don't. We're, we're not gonna be the answer for everyone. But if what you want is a relationship where you can make a phone call and talk to a person and have them help you with whatever you're trying to achieve, that's where we thrive. As we've grown over the years, we can do that more and more for different companies, for people in different places. And I've really appreciated the opportunity to be a part of that. 
How do banks, uh, maybe there isn't a, a certain way of doing this, but do you, and especially at Park National, do you guys categorize different products and avenues that you use to help people just kind of summar- summarize it up for the listener base to help them understand all the different methods that you're engaging with your clients in? If what a customer wants is they want to understand where the different ways we can help you, yeah, we, we could provide a list of here are all the different products, right? For me, the better answer is if you and I sit down and we have a conversation about what you're looking to do, be it with your business, with your personal situation, and if we can help, maybe we can kind of handcraft a solution that makes sense for you. That's what's special about Park, I think, compared to the largest banks in the country, right, where you might be viewed as a number, take your deposits, we'll make a loan to you, but to have a relationship with a banker who you would call probably not something you're going to find, and I think that's where... Park has really done well over the years in developing those relationships and customizing solutions that fit for their clients. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So when you joined the team at Park, what was your role at the time? Yeah. And this was this was in 2009, right? Yeah, so in 2009. Kind I, of an interesting time to be starting a company at a bank. Well, <laughs> yeah, so I, I make a decision to leave a career with Deloitte, which is, you know, one of the biggest accounting firms in the in the world, consulting firms. And, you know, I had a pretty good thing going, and I had a number of people say, are you sure this is the time you want to go to a bank? And, you know, what I found was, hey, here's a bank that's been around since 2008 or since 1908. And they've weathered a lot of storms. They're doing really well. I've talked to the team there. I don't have any concerns about, is this bank going to survive? And I joined their team in the accounting department. And what I was given was an opportunity to get involved in all kinds of business development, uh, get involved with our commercial credit team, get involved with you know, M&A opportunities. And that blossomed into other opportunities at Park over the years. And uh, here I find myself today. And, and as that role changed over time, you know, did that, I guess, what were the big, big steps in, in your career for you? And how did your mindset change as that evolved? Yeah, I think the way that I always thought about it was in any job that I'm in, how are we preparing other people that work with us to take on additional responsibilities? And if I can prepare someone to do the job that I do every single day better than I do it, then there should be a new opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I found at Park. And uh, I mentioned Dan DeLauter, David Troutman earlier. Uh, those two individuals were kind enough to take an interest in my career. And we've all had people who are mentors for us. And they were kind enough to take that interest in me and give me opportunities uh, to sink or swim, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully I did an okay job. <laughs> I would guess I would guess you did considering where you're at at the moment. But uh, so, you know, you mentioned Park National started in 1908. And that's a long time. Uh, didn't they start? So they started as a local community bank, right? It was just one place, you know, little shop. Yeah, little shop in uh, Newark, Ohio, right? And for a long time, they were based in Licking County. In fact, I don't think they expanded outside of Licking County until 1985. So they had made some small acquisitions of little mm-hmm. other little banks in Granville and other markets in Licking County. But in 1985, they expanded into Fairfield County. And then over the next 30 years, Park grew really in Ohio mm-hmm. through acquisitions. And it was an interesting process because the way they looked at it was 
hey, we're going to keep the management teams in place. We're going to keep the boards in place. We want the employees all to continue to have a role in their local community. And we're going to keep the name the same. And so we acquired a bank in Fairfield County. It was Fairfield National Bank. And it was Fairfield National Bank from 1985 until just a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And so it was in each of the communities that we grew in throughout Ohio. As you all know, we made a big change in branding a couple of years ago. And that change really was a long time coming. And it was a very hard thing to go through, mostly for our associates. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we all worried about how would our customers accept this. But what we found was what customers want today may be different from what they wanted 10, 20, 30 years ago. And they're more open to a regional bank or a national bank today that has greater ability to help support them wherever they are in life. So exactly, how does a bank go about uh, strategic decisions? Like you, you obviously have people and banking that play in different spaces and it seems like you guys have taken this niche approach or maybe that this is an ignorant point of view, but like it seems like you guys have found really small townships then bought the banks in there and then you, you focus on the community and you focus on the relationships. How do you go about strategy and, and trying to drive the team? Yeah, so I think historically that has absolutely been the approach at Park. And over the years we grew in a number of different communities that are similar to Newark, Ohio. Mount Vernon, Springfield. As we've grown over time, you know, in Newark, Ohio, we have 60% of the market share. That's a wonderful thing to have. When you have 60%, it's, there's not a lot of growth available. Back in 1979, we started a location here in Columbus because we found that people were traveling over to Lincoln County in the evenings and on the weekends to meet with some of our bankers to do some business. We thought, hey, why don't we open a location in Columbus? So we've had a location here since 1979 with no signage, it was on the 13th floor of a downtown building, and it grew to be one of our largest locations over a 40-year period. We recently moved to uh, Civic Center Drive, and now our name's on the building, and maybe we have a bit more of a presence, but we're still relatively unknown. Mm -hmm. Growth opportunities in Columbus, I think we all understand, are probably a little bit more real than growth opportunities in some of the smaller communities where we've had a presence for a long time. And so as we've gone through strategic planning and strategic thinking, we've talked a lot about how can we help the communities where we've been for a long time and at the same time grow this organization over the long term. And so we've expanded into markets like Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we've had an acquisition down in Charlotte, North Carolina, an acquisition in Greenville, South Carolina, Spartanburg, South Carolina, that gives us some opportunities to grow in markets that are expanding where we don't have a large presence today. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. When you go by these acquisitions and you're bringing, especially in new markets like further out, Louisville, Carolina, that sort of thing, how do you maintain that, that sense of community? And, that, and then if you're not because I'm guessing you're kind of doing it similar to the way you guys have always done it, which is, hey, we want to keep the same people in place. How do you institute or bring your culture to that bank when they probably have their own culture that they've set, been set over time and it might not perfectly align with the Park National style? Yeah, so it's one of the most difficult things, right? How do you, how do you bring two groups of people together that have been very successful in whatever they might have been doing before, right? In this case, banking. When we talk to a partner or a potential partner, uh, one of the most important things is cultural fit. And so we do everything that we can up front to see, is this going to work? 
if we bring everyone together. And even after an acquisition is completed, we spend more time on the culture piece of everything than really on anything else. That's, it's a big part of what we do. And if I had to boil our culture down to really one statement, it is how do we as bankers help things go right for our stakeholders, right? And our stakeholders go way beyond our shareholders, right? Mm-hmm. Shareholders are one of our stakeholders, customers, communities, associates, you know, our vendors. And if I operate every day and all of our associates operate every day with the attitude of what can I do to help things go right, I think we're going to do okay. Is there a good fit versus a not good fit customer for Park National? I don't think I would divide people into a good fit or not a good fit. I think I would divide folks into maybe two camps, a customer and a prospect. And if you're a customer, hopefully you've developed a relationship with us and you know what we are and what we're about and that we're here to help you. As I said, how do I help things go right? If you're a prospect, I hope I listen more than I talk. Two ears and one mouth for a reason. And so we're going to try to do our best to listen and understand and then do everything that we can to show you how we can help. And if we can, wonderful. And the reality is there will be situations where it's not a good fit. And I hope that we're willing to say this may not be a good fit, but here's someone that can't help you. And that's okay. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, grows a highly adaptive workforce, and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. So as you are uh, maybe one of those prospects and you're out there looking at, you know, all the different banking options you can choose from, why would somebody choose Park National? Like, I mean, is there, I think when most people think about banks, you just think everybody's going to get the same terms and, and maybe the interest rate varies, you know, a couple couple points or something, but nothing too crazy. Are there really advantages or are there really differences when you're trying to decide who you're going to bank with? Yeah, it's one of the things that I struggle with sometimes, to be honest, right? I mean, there are 5,000 banks in the country, maybe 6,000 banks. And the ones that everyone knows, Chase, Bank of America, I mean, they're huge organizations. You know, Huntington here locally is 15 times the size of Park. And we all ultimately offer similar products, to your point. So how we go about it is really what can differentiate us. And maybe some people believe that and maybe some people don't. I think that over the years, we've heard from customers enough that say, I couldn't get a phone call returned from whomever I was dealing with before. And so I started to work with your bank and now, you know, I have a personal cell phone number for the banker and you can go on the website and get my personal cell phone number and you can call me 24 hours a day, seven days a week and we'll do everything that we can to be responsive. And I think that that can set us apart, but people need to figure out is, is that important to them? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you in today's time, having digital capabilities, is crazy important. I mean, no one can see this, but I'm holding up my cell phone. I've done all of my banking on this phone for the last four years. 
right? I don't, I almost never walk into a branch to do a transaction. And so we have to have that capability just like everyone else, or we're going to lose customers and lose prospects to other banks. So we spend a lot of time thinking about how do we provide the right type of technology and the right digital means to do banking when and where people want to do it. If you want to come see us in person, that's great. If you want to do all your banking online or on your mobile device, you should be able to do that. Absolutely. I want to, I want to take a step back and talk about the rebrand because you mentioned it, but we didn't really dive into it. And you'd said, hey, this has been coming. This has been kind of due a long time. So what about the rebrand? Like, Why did you guys decide to rebrand all these different locations? And, and, and what were you hoping to accomplish with the rebrand? Yeah, so I think we'd grown enough over a period of 30 years. I mentioned a number of acquisitions. I think at the time we went to the rebrand, we had 12 different names that we were operating under across just the state of Ohio. So for instance, where I grew up in Dark County, uh, Second National Bank, an affiliate of the Park National Bank was the community bank there in Greenville, Ohio. Uh, And so it was in each of our communities. And I think that where we had, we were at least open to the possibility that did our customers and did prospects really understand the depth and the breadth of the organization? Or were we viewed as 12 really small community banks? So what we did is we went out and we talked to customers and prospects to get their perspective. And as I've said a couple of times, we tried to listen uh, and understand at the end of the day, our folks with a rather bank with a community bank that's in the local community and it feels like this is the community they're a part of, or do they want something larger? And what we found was people really wanted to have a bank that was at least statewide. Mm-hmm. And so it was a difficult decision, again, more for our management team and for our folks probably than for our customer base, because there was a lot of love and care that went into all of those names and you felt tied to those names. I'm glad we were willing to listen. I think it was the right decision. And I think that our colleagues today across the organization agree with that. And I think our customer base, I think it's shown itself as we've gone through the last 15 months, which have been unlike anything any of us have ever experienced. Uh, I think it was the right choice at the right time. And there's always new challenges that come with growth, obviously. So, you know, what's been on your radar? What what kind of major initiatives are you working on right now? Yeah, so with all of that change, how do we serve customers better, faster? I don't want to try to fix problems. I want to get things right the first time so there never is a problem. And so how do we use technology to its fullest extent? How do we uh, make sure that the customer, as I said earlier, can bank with us when and where they want to? And so those are some of the things that we're focused on. And some people would sit here and talk about how that will make us more efficient. I don't really, I, I want to be as efficient as we can, I'm not going to lie. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't help customers navigate whatever banking needs they have more easily, then we haven't done our job. Um, this is all about how do we make sure that our customer base um, feels like they can get to a banker if they want a banker or do whatever banking they need to do so that it can be done on their time and their schedule. How do you overcome the uh, like nationwide capabilities, that the network and the ecosystem that some of these large banks have? And you want the comfort of knowing that where you travel, you have access to your funds and, and you feel uh, enabled and, and safe and secure. Yeah, so it's probably difficult to tell someone that, hey, your money is as safe at a community bank or at Park National Bank or at Huntington or at Chase. You know, huge difference in size. Um, the reality is we're all regulated to make sure that we have a significant amount of controls in place to make sure that 
you know, your banking information, your deposits, your personal information is safe. And, you know, one of the hardest things is, do you want to have a bank that take Chase, for instance, where you can probably find a Chase bank, no matter what major city you're in, anywhere in the U.S. and in many places around the world. Is that really important to you or not? The way we've tried to combat that from a cash perspective, if you still go to an ATM and get cash out, which many of us don't today, is, you know, we have accounts where, hey, if you want to go use a Chase ATM, we'll reimburse your ATM fees. You can go use whatever ATM you want. So we've tried to be somewhat flexible in the type of products that we have so that we can cater to you based on how you want to use your, whether it's a debit card or a credit card, however you want to do your banking. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, Revolution Group. Revolution Group is a business and their mission is to revolutionize businesses and empower people through strategic technology solutions. They provide everything from managed IT support, ERP services, cybersecurity services, and Salesforce implementations to Central Ohio and beyond. And they have some really strong values and fun company culture that focuses on extraordinary relationships with customers and each other. We had Polly and Rick on from their team on the show a while back, if you remember listening to that one. So it's clear that they really love working with local companies. They want to help support and build Central Ohio. So if you need any of those things, if you're looking for a partner when it comes to IT services, ERP services, cybersecurity services, all those stuff, we recommend you go check them out. You can uh, find their information at revolutiongroup.com. That is revolutiongroup.com. So something that I'm curious about, you know, obviously throughout COVID-19 and the pandemic, we're hopefully over the over the hill on that one, I think at this point, but uh, PPP loans were a huge part of that and local banks were heavily relied on throughout that time to deliver on that. So what was that process like for you guys? Was it a pretty hectic time? And, uh, you know, were there any, any big stories that came out of that or any, you know, key? I heard from Bethany when we were talking about like the pre-interview interview. She mentioned that there were some specific instances that were pretty cool or pretty good stories. So I was curious to hear from your end what, what sure. happened with those. Yeah, I mean, was it a stressful time? I think it was stressful for everyone. I mean, the great thing about the pandemic that I think we can look back on is we learned that we can conduct business differently than we always have. We can be flexible uh, with our colleagues, uh, where they work, how they get their work done, how we interact with our customers. And so looking back, there's some things I'm really thankful for about the pandemic. And at the same time, it was a terribly difficult time for many individuals and many companies throughout the world. But, you know, specific to us and PPP, that's a program that started almost overnight, mm-hmm. uh, you know, approved by the government and, okay, SBA, figure out how you're going to do this. And we're going to start this as soon as possible. And literally over a maybe a two-week period, three-week period, rules are being established daily about how we have to do this. And at the same time, there are companies that need this money and are wondering, how are we going to make payroll? And so the amount of hours and effort that went into making sure that we complied with the rules and were there to support the communities and the businesses that we had been partners with for years, that was our first focus. How do we take care of companies that we've worked with for a long time? Once we got comfortable that, hey, we're going to be able to handle that, how do we help others who haven't maybe worked with us historically uh, who are having trouble getting a hold of their bank. And so we had opportunities to bring in new prospects. Now, I don't know exactly what Bethany might have shared. I'll tell you the thing that I'm the most proud of through the PPP program is of all the loans that we made, 40% of the loans, and we made about uh, $550 million in loans in the first round of PPP. 
of all those loans, 40% of the loans were made to minority-owned, women-owned, or nonprofit organizations. And I think it's a phenomenal statistic that uh, I'm really proud of. Hey, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Hybeck. It's actually just me and Tim in the booth because, well, Josh is on his way over to the restaurant right now. So unluckily for us, we don't get any special treatment. I don't think he's bringing us back a pizza I don't think so. I'm a little jealous. We love Hybeck. I mean, I go there all the yeah. time. Their hot honey pizza they got going right now. Yep. That's man, what I was going to say. Is, as soon oh. as we had him on the episode, I called in before they even left and ordered it and picked it up on the way out. And it was the best. We're talking about the restaurant, but Hybeck's a lot more than just a restaurant. They distill whiskey and gin and vodka. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, they brought in a couple of different options for us to try recently. And I really like this Midnight Cask. It's a mixture, I think, of whiskey along with a port wine. And it kind of tastes like a Manhattan, but it's like double the strength. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, listen to the episode. I mean, the story behind the organization is great too. So yeah, it's a bunch of local entrepreneurs that just have a passion for making good food and great drinks. They just launched a thing called the Whiskey Society too, which I joined. And if you really like booze, it's worth checking out. It pays for itself just in the entry fee. And then you'll get cards for drinks every month. They put on events right now. They're on Zoom, but teach you how to make drinks, tell you what to use, why you use those things. It's definitely for the whiskey enthusiast. I've enjoyed my membership so far. That's for sure. So if you guys like High Bank, if you're looking for a restaurant, somewhere to watch the game. If you're looking to put in an order for a pickup, check out High Bank, man. Their food's great. They're great people. Yeah. And we love their drinks. And get the hot honey pizza. Get the hot honey pizza. I All promise right. you will love it. All right. Now back to the show. What do the goals look like moving forward for Park National? Where are you guys heading from here? Yeah. You know, I mentioned a couple of acquisitions. So in the last five years, we've expanded into North Carolina, the Charlotte area, expanded into South Carolina, opened a location in Louisville. You know, where do we go from here? It's not just about acquisitions. It's not just about growth. I certainly am open to additional growth, and I think that our organization is desires to grow. But more than that, I want to figure out how we can serve the customers, the communities that we have, the prospects that we have more tomorrow than we are today. And how do we do that in a way that helps them feel like they're getting real value uh, from the relationship that they have with our bankers? And so I think that's, to me, the most important thing. And if with that, comes opportunities to have new partners, uh, that would be wonderful as well. What about any personal goals moving forward just on, uh, you know, outside of the professional realm? Yeah, well, I mentioned I have two boys. They're nine and 12, figuring out how to help them grow up to be good men, husbands, fathers. That's probably goal number one. Um, You can probably hear it in my voice. I get a little emotional when I talk about them. So that's, you know, that's um, something that has always been really important to me ever since I became a father. Um, And, you know, if I can help impart some wisdom in their life and uh, help them become great individuals, that's probably the first thing that I would say. Outside of that, personal goals. You know, I never want to stop learning. I think that anyone who thinks that they've um, arrived and they know what they need to know probably hasn't figured it out yet. I never want to stop learning, listening to others who have different perspective and uh, attempting to be open to the possibility that the way we've always done things isn't the way that it has to be done forever. I think I saw something, you know, listening to some of your uh, podcast, Living Uncomfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the way I think about that is, what can I learn today or what did I learn today? And it's one of the questions I ask my boys every single night. They come home from school, I come home from work. Guys, what did you learn today that you didn't know this morning? And... We sit there and we talk about it until they're willing to share something with me. Some days that takes longer than others. But yeah, I think we need to live uncomfortably as a company and realize that change is 
a good thing. And I think personally, I need to live uncomfortably realizing I need to make sure that each day I'm growing as an individual, uh, as a husband, as a father, as a leader of the park organization. I think it will make us a better company. Well, Matt, you beat me to our last question of the show, so I think that's a good place to wrap up. But uh, thanks so much for coming on and telling your story. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us here at Conquer and Columbus and talk about Park National. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, and uh, Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that episode, go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. And if you want to learn more about Park National Bank, check them out at their website, which is parknationalbank.com. I put Matt on the spot there. I wasn't sure if he'd know it, but uh, he's got it. He's on top of it. So again, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next week.